Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Hello again and welcome back. Oh my God, October is like flying. This is the last episode for this month, the month about self-care. And it's also, of course, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We cannot forget that. So ladies, go out there, check your tatas, go get your mammograms, go do all of that because it is necessary. And sometimes even men, I mean, we get it too. We not mm-hmm. exempt from breast cancer. But since we're talking about breast cancer, I want to introduce to you guys this week's guest. So this week's guest is the homie from way back. She was the homie since I was like seven, right? She was friends with my lay sister. She actually dated my cousin Dorian, who y'all know from the show. (laughs) Yeah, and she's just a hometown hero. And that's why we named this episode Shiro. Because once you hear her story, you'll see how phenomenal this person is. I would like to introduce Nicole Moore. Hi, Nicole. Hey, everyone. What's up? Not I'm putting the full government on here. You call me Nicole Moore. That's fine. Right. (laughs) But yeah, how are you? I am doing absolutely great. Amazing. With the weather changing and all that good stuff, it's just, you know, I'm trying to deal with the most that I can with my my body aching but other than that i'm doing great i'm multitasking like crap and i feel like i've been so negligent lately to a lot of stuff like i need to catch up social media wise with this podcast i've literally just been putting episodes out and i haven't not been doing any promo for it but i'm a bounce back once i get out of this little hurdle of crossroads that i'm doing because it's a lot that i am doing this month yeah you're trying to do the most i guess you're being a hero I'm a shiro. Our most bonding moments, right? So like when I first met Nicole, Nicole was working at Basket Robbins. Oh, that was my spot. That was the hangout spot for y'all. Yeah. Nicole was the first like 17, 16 year old I ever knew that had a cell phone. Like she was lit. (laughs) That was before everybody had a cell phone. Nicole had a cell phone before everybody. She was a hot girl. <laughs> I guess that's what you could call me. But yeah, it was one of those big body cell phones that you see on the movies when they whip it right. out and flip the bottom down and put it to their ear. Yeah, I had one of those. That is so funny. Yes. And since like I feel like our next bonding moment was probably like when we did the free lunch thing at church. That was fun. Yes. Yes. That was fun. And I feel like that was the start of the story in which 
what we're going to talk about this episode because yeah. I remember at free lunch you had found out she was pregnant and it blindsided you. Right. Because I, I couldn't believe it because I was like, why am I having a baby? And you didn't even know. You was like four months pregnant and you didn't even know. It. Yeah, I didn't even know it. Like, it was wow. just like I was walking around like the Virgin Mary. I didn't know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of things I remember. So you and my late sister, y'all both had the baby at the same time. Y'all were both in the yeah. hospital, but she shouldn't have had her baby when you had your baby. You had a full baby. She had like a six-month-year-old baby. Her yeah, baby was one pound. Right. But um, I remember you were starting to have like leg problems because the baby was sitting on your leg nerve, right? Yeah. And that's, mm. and that's what triggered my MS. So yes. I had MS, but I didn't know it. But then when mm. my daughter laid down on that nerve, it triggered the full-blown MS for me. And so I wow. thought I had a stroke. I thought I was having some other type of complications, and I ended up having MS. But before I even knew I had MS, I they treated me for a damaged nerve. This was after I had my baby. And I was going to physical therapy for like eight months and it was getting worse. It wasn't getting better. My doctor was like, wait, something's going on because you're supposed to be getting better with physical therapy. I was like, look, that felt like a sack of bricks is hanging on my right side. I'm gonna need y'all to figure that. That's when I had my CAT scan and it showed that I have, they call them legions on my brain. And it's something that affects your walking, talking, whatever nerve is in your body, MS attaches to every nerve. So when they told me, of course, I went to Google trying to figure out what MS was and right. everybody was paralyzed or they couldn't walk. Then I started crying because I got scared because I was like, I can't walk no more. And the doctor was like, that's the worst thing you could have did was Google it because they have the worst case scenarios on there. So I was like, okay, but what I have to do for it? He was like, well, we're going to put you on a series of medications and then you're going to have to take steroids. I say, don't steroids make you fat. Because you know I had got final lung. Right, you did. You came back from Atlanta skinny as I don't know what. Right, right I was fine. And then I started taking them steroids, and then I was fat fine. But I was okay with it. So tell people what is multiple sclerosis MS. Multiple sclerosis definitely is a disease that attacks your nervous system. It kind of depends on what kind of MS you have. Like I have relapsing MS, which means that at any moment I can relapse for a short period of time, not be able to walk or not be able to do anything that I usually do. In order to control it, they have like a series of medications that they put you on to see which one does good for you. And my first medication was Copaxin, and that's a shot three days a week. And I had to give myself a shot on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I felt like a legal junkie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was shooting myself up like and it was right. just really crazy because I hate shots but then I had to give myself right. a shot like three days a week but it was something I had to deal with I was on the shot for like a couple of years and I relapsed 
and I couldn't get out the bed because my legs were so heavy. And then that's when they realized like the shot wasn't working for me. The medicine wasn't strong enough. So then they moved me to appeal, which I'm still on appeal now. I kind of get around better on the appeal versus what I did the shot. But I learned how to adapt with my MS and of course, I walk with a cane. Sometimes I walk with a walker. I do have a chair. I still roll, but you know, I roll with a little assistance now. It's just something that you have to deal with. I just roll with the punches and just, you know, and just do it. It's definitely a hidden disease. You won't even know you have MS. Yeah, and I know people with MS get a bad rep of being quote-unquote hypochondriacs because people right. don't see it, it affects in so many ways. You know what I'm right. saying? It's not the same because I have a friend who has MS. It affects her in a completely different way that it affected you. Like She's still out here walking with two legs, you know? So Right. It affects people differently and um, my MS targeted my nerves on my right side. If you see me walking, like I use my cane with my right hand which is kind of like they say abnormal because I'm supposed to use my left but I don't feel comfortable with using my left I feel comfortable with using my right but my right side drags so to me having that cane right there is kind of like the stability I can walk but I can't walk far because my my whole right side would get like super heavy and then I'm dragging and people are like what's wrong with you you're too young to be on a cane no I'm not just because I'm on a cane doesn't mean that I'm faking it I'm not faking it for no reason at all it took a long time for me to even get a handicapped parking space because mm-hmm. I was just so gone cold on not being labeled so I would walk further and then by the time I get there I'm exhausted and then I just came to the realization like God was like look hey you still living you better figure it out and it was just like it hit me and I was like okay let me just get this handicap apply for this disability I yeah. just stopped working like what maybe four months ago I stopped working <laughs> I've been supposed to stop working but it's just it it was just my freedom i felt like it was taking away my freedom i'm very independent i don't want people to help me i don't feel like i need people to help me and i had to come to the realization like hey just ask for help sometimes get your butt in this go-go car at the store and shop it was more of a why are people looking at me like that Mm -hmm. i am handicapped i'm not just in this buggy riding around the store for fun people look at you because i'm young and they think that you're acting and it's not an act and like you never know what people look yeah or just lazy like i even had people say to me oh you were little you gotten so big and i'm like uh excuse me this is steroids i took steroids for a whole year three times a week so come on now. But people don't know, they don't guard their opinions on what, how they feel about you. Because everybody was like, oh, you getting so fat. Oh, you fat. And, and I was like, okay, shut up. I know I didn't gained a, a lot of weight. Yeah. Leave me the hell alone. And they don't understand how words affect people. But I just had to get to where I had tough skin. So what was the time span on you starting MS? And then you being able to control it or maintain. It took me like six months to get actually get used to it. For six months, I had to adjust like 
This is your life. This is what you have to do to maintain your healthiness for your kids, for your family. That was the biggest part of the whole MS. It's getting people to realize that, yes, I'm young. But yes, I have a disease that I have to walk with a cane. Yes, I have a disease that affects my weight going up and down, you know, and I had to realize that you are not what people are saying to you. So it took me longer to adjust to people than it took me to adjust to the disease. Because like after six months, I was probably giving myself a shot, but I put it up in that thing and shoot myself up real quick. <laughs> and I was good. I was like, okay, I got this. And you know, that was e That was the easy part. The hard right. part was people, the reaction of people, because after they say stuff to you and then you say, well, I do have MS and I have to take steroids, then it's, oh, I'm so sorry. Right. I didn't know. Like dealing with the pity party. And right. then I'm like, don't, that, I was like, that's why I don't really tell people what's going on with me because I don't want you to pity because I'm still see, walking I in didn't here. know that you had MS until you then had breast cancer. Right. Like a lot of people didn't know because I wouldn't say anything, you know, because a lot of people like want a pity party. But it, right. for me, it was like totally opposite. I didn't want anybody to pity me. I just wanted everybody to feel the same way they felt about me before the cane, before right. the sickness. And that's just how I felt. That's how I felt about when my breast cancer, that's how I felt about doing the ovarian cancer. I just wanted people to just because when they found out then it was like oh do you need anything right. oh, no don't do that because that's the main reason why I didn't tell anybody what I go through because I don't like pity parties I like mm. upbeat parties I don't like pity parties I don't, I'm not right. pitiful right so let's talk about the breast cancer piece yeah. So when did you discover, what year was it that you discovered you had breast it cancer? It was, what is this, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17. So it was like maybe 2015, 16, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Because breast cancer and ovarian cancer is so heavy on my dad's side. Like mm -hmm. it's super heavy. Every woman on my dad's side has had breast cancer, ovarian cancer, or both. Mm -hmm. So to me, I was like, well, I don't feel any lumps. I don't feel this. I don't feel that. And um, at that time, I was looking for OBGYN. This is how I actually got to do my genetic testing. I went to several doctors before that and everybody said, well, you okay? Because it's on your dad's side. Don't worry about it. It's on your dad's side. Don't, you know, every doctor I said something to, they was like, don't worry about it. It's on your dad's side. So I came to the realization that, okay, I'm indispensable from cancer because it's on my daddy's side. I was looking for OBGYN, was watching TV with my mom. It was like Dr. Melinda Frame at... You know, Providence Hospital, Mobile OBGYN, best OBGYN in business, da, da 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 And, you know, and I looked at it and I was like, hmm. I said, but that's too far. That's Providence. So how often do you see the same commercial within watching a three-hour show? I might see the same commercial, but I might see it like three times. 
Well, it went to commercial again. And I was like, that's weird. And then it was just like, God punched me in my back and was like, hey, write down this number. Crazy. I call. And you know, most people say they have a waiting period for new patients. You can't get in. And I was like, well, let me just find another doctor because this one ain't going to take me. And then like the very next day, the lady was like, oh, we have an appointment coming up for Friday. We had a consolation and, and that was like Wednesday. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah, give me your information over the phone and then we'll put you in the system to come. So I went to the doctor and the lady, she was so sweet. Her name was Melinda Frame and she was pregnant. And you know how you're supposed to write down your history and stuff like that. And she was like, hey, breast cancer runs in your family. I was like, yeah, on my dad's side. But all the doctors I went to told me not to worry about it. She was like, why? I was like, because it's on my dad's side. And I was like, they told me it's not a real big deal. She was like, no, you're not leaving my office until we get a genetic test. And she was like, because that's not right. I was like, well, dang, nobody ever said anything about genetic testing. She was like, yeah, genetic testing is, you know, you'll find out how many active cancer cells you have in your body. And we can do that or whatever. And I'll try to get your, I'll call your insurance place to get it approved, da, 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 da. So I'm sitting in the room like, okay, this appointment happened fast. I said, but she's not going to get my insurance to approve this that fast. She came back in the room. Okay, I'm going to need you to go down the hall for blood work because your insurance approved the genetic testing. And I was like, oh, okay. And she said, and also, they approved you having a mammogram. And I was like, well, I'm not old enough for a mammogram. They told me that I can't take a mammogram until I'm like almost 50. Mm-mm. She said, no, you have a history of breast cancer. Because at this time, Alon, I was only like 34, 35. So, like, I was feeling well, like I was too young to have one. No, my oldest sister started getting her mammograms at 35. It was just like no one ever took the chance to call my insurance. But this lady called my insurance. She got all this stuff approved. Gave the blood work. Went and got my breast smashed real good. And then she's like, well, we'll call you when your blood work comes back and let you know what's going on. Well, I didn't think anything of it because everybody been telling me, like, it's on your dad's side. You're not going to have cancer. Da, 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 da. The very next day, she was like, can you come back into my office so we can talk? And I was like, talk about what? Because what you not going to do is call me and say, come to your office so we can talk. What are we talking about? She said, I just got some things that I need to discuss to you. You'll be okay. Just come in. Can you come in tomorrow? I was like, tomorrow? That's kind of quick. She was like, yeah, just come in so we can discuss some things or whatever. So then when I got to the doctor, she was like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. She said, because once you finish with me, I need you to go downstairs to meet with the breast doctor. Because you have 98% active cancer cells. She said, you're going to have breast cancer, ovarian cancer, or both by the time you turn 40. Then that's when I heard the clock ticking because, you know, I was around the corner from being 40. I saw the breast doctor and he was like, hey... I really want to go first, but I'm pretty sure Miss Frame is going to put you in first to have a total hysterectomy and this, that, and other. So I went from can't have a genetic testing to you're going to have breast cancer or ovarian cancer. I wasn't ready for that. So I like semi went to the bathroom and cried and called my mom. 
and was like, I got cancer. And she was like, you got cancer? Well, I got the genes for cancer. And she was like, wait, what? And so it was just a really crazy roller coaster for me because Dr. Frame and my breast doctor, Dr. Burke, they were trying to see who was going to go first. That's how serious it was. They were on it. I had a total hysterectomy like maybe three months after that doctor's appointment. I healed up from my total hysterectomy and then I went straight into having my breast removed. So it was just like everything hit me within two months. I had two major surgeries. Not to mention that I felt like I was going to be less of a woman without my breast because you already took my ovaries. I can't have kids no more. Now you're taking my breast. And so that's what make us women. That's, you know, in my head, that's what I was thinking. If I'm not going to have no breasts and I can't have no babies. What am I going to do? She was like, well, you know, we can freeze your eggs. I said, I didn't say I wanted to have more babies. Oh my God, you a trip. Yeah, I was like, I just want to know. You just want like, the option. Right, I just want the option. Like, if I wanted to have one and care one, what you going to do? And she's like, we can freeze your eggs. I was like, well, I don't want none. I said, I was just asking. And I was like, and then I'm not going to have any breasts. The doctor was like, well, I got a doctor for you, Dr. Profit. Go see him. And I was like, I'm not ready for this. I was just all the way messed up. But after I had the surgeries, I did go see the breast doctor. I did give me some implants. And they did be nice and give me some upgraded ones. And I can just remember every week because when you get implants, they have to stretch your skin for the implant right for the room so every week i would go and get my partial implants filled until they got to the size that i wanted and my grandma would go with me and she was like how does he know where to put that needle he was like well you know her implants that she has now has like a little magnetic part to it all i have to do is find it with this magnet and just stick it in there and i can fill up her implants she was like oh my god martin medicine this is wonderful all in all I tried to tell my cousins, like, come on and get this genetic testing because half of my cousins, their parents had breast cancer. I see it was just my grandma and my aunties. I have a cousin that's scared to get it done, so she won't get it done. My sister just had hers done. My stepsister, her, my baby stepsister, and hers came back positive. So now she's going through what I went through trying to see does she have to have her breast removed does she have to have a total hysterectomy and she's way younger than i was when i had my genetic testing i think she's like 31 so it's just like really weird how that works out and i just try to tell women like hey it doesn't hurt to know what's going on with your body i didn't have to have chemo they removed every piece of tissue that held my cancer they even removed my lymph nodes from under my arms and so wow. people like, you wear deodorant i don't have to i don't have glands or anything under my arms so i don't even sweat so under wait, my arms. i have a question so not having lymph nodes how you know when you get sick hence that's why i get sick so often oh my goodness 
it's it's just it's hard. My my immune system is almost nothing. I mean, granted, you rarely ever have swollen lymph nodes unless something is seriously wrong. Serious, right? But and it's kind of like everything, like everything in my like up to my neck look like, and all up under my arms, and like all that tissue went. And so when I would go to church, and people would think I'm being rude because I didn't stand up to hug them during a moment of fellowship, it was because I was highly taped down. And I was like in a I can't move kind of state. Like, don't hug me, don't touch me, don't kiss me, don't breathe on me because I'm in pain. But I went to church because that was my comfort zone. And, you know, and even though people thought I was being rude, and then that's when Reverend Johnson made an announcement. He was like, hey, Nicole's not being rude because she doesn't participate in Moment of Fellowship. She just had some really major surgeries done and she can't participate in Moment of Fellowship. And then that's when people was like, oh, and I was like, that's what I didn't want. I don't need all the sympathy. I'm okay with just, just be yourself with me because I feel like once you find out something's wrong with me, then that's when the pity part begins. And I didn't want that. Nobody knew that I was just out of church for surgery. Everybody thought that was I was hiding upstairs. And I was like, wow, nobody knew I was missing. Because I didn't tell anybody. My mama told like one person because they was just asking about me. They was like, we didn't know she was having surgery. She said, nobody knows she had surgery. Reverend Johnson and Barbara is the only ones who know she had surgery. They came to the hospital. Reverend Johnson said, you do not look like a woman that just had surgery. He's like, I've never seen anybody joke around after surgery. I was like, hey, I got a joke. So I don't cry. So what was your outlook on life after enduring like three diseases and overcoming three diseases all at once? It was crazy because I felt like, what did I do to receive this punishment? I was like, God, what did I do? Like, let me correct it. Let me make my wrong right. What What is the problem? But then I had to understand that things happen for a reason. And this was my testimony. Like most people don't get this stuff done because like in our to tell it right in the society that we live in black women don't want to go to the doctor if i can touch one heart that's enough for me because nobody in my family on my dad's side wanted to have genetic testing done my cousin keisha she was about four years older than me and she never got genetic testing done and she didn't want to do it. She wanted to have a baby, which was all fine and dandy. But she felt like if I can't breastfeed, I'm not going to be able to do it. So she refused to get both of her breasts taken off. She kept one of her breasts so she can breastfeed her son. I buried my cousin like three years ago mm. because her cancer came back and it came back with a vengeance. And it started in the breast that she wouldn't get removed. It spread to her ovaries, which that's what she was supposed to get removed next. At, you know, while she had her baby. But she was like, no, I might want more kids. When it came back, it spread like crazy. And maybe a month later, she passed. And I was there. And then, I, and that's when I told my cousin, like, this this is serious. Like, why won't y'all get this genetic testing? Like, come on now. But my cousin, she still won't do it. And then my sister, she ended up just 
coming to grass with it and she went to do it and my sister is a nurse like come on girl you a nurse you a whole nurse out here in these streets <laughs> and she was scared to get it done but she finally got it done but my sister doesn't have kids so she probably gonna freeze her so she can have a baby later but i just try to tell black women in general because we're so afraid to go to the doctor and we're so afraid to get checked up on that something serious could be lurking in your body and you don't even know it because you're scared to touch on it. Especially women around my age, cancer doesn't have an age at all. You can be 50 or you can be 20. Either way it go, if it's in your genes, you're going to get it. And I recommend for all women to have genetic testing because that's like the best thing ever. Just go to your OBGYN when you do your checkup and say, hey, I have cancer on my side of the family. Hey, but what about this genetic testing? Can I get it done? And I'm pretty sure they'll say, yeah. But I had been turned around so many times. So when she said it, I was just like, yeah, whatever. I wasn't even looking for anything to get approved because so many doctors said told me not to worry about it. So if I just would have went with what all the other doctors said, I probably wouldn't have no hair right now because I'd be going through chemo or I'd be in remission and hoping that my cancer didn't come back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I just try to tell people, hey, it's only if you get blood work, that's all it is, blood work. Mm-hmm. And it just separate your, your cells and see what's going on with your body. But, you know, some people don't want to get it done. But I try to tell my black women, please, because it, it saves lives. But I'm healthy now. You know, I I, I still have MS. I'm going to always have MS. I got to be strong for my kids. Right. That 11-year-old and 19-year-old, I got to stay here because that little, my little diva need me. Yeah. And that's my story. And I just, I hold it dear to my heart. And I try to tell as many people because the question is, you're so young. Why are you on the cane? Or you're so young, why do you use a walker? Why you can't lose a little bit of weight? And then that's when I have to tell my story. And then when people hear it, they apologize because don't judge a book by its cover. You never know what that person went through or is going right. through at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that this actually inspires anyone who's listening to this to go get tested, go get your mammograms. Honestly, mm-hmm. men, go get your prostate checked. All of the right. above. Um, let this just be the month to where you just reevaluate your health and, and guarantee your bill of health. I know I'm going to be doing that very, very soon because this pandemic really like yeah, shut it, everything it really, down. It, and It took a toll on a lot of people. Right. And it's crazy. And then like by me having a very, very low to no immune system, I have to protect myself because if I get sick, like it's over with, I get really sick. And like right now, all it took for my daughter to have like a sinus infection and a little bit of cold. And I got the full dose of her cold. She was only sniffling for like a day. Now I'm sniffling and stuffed up for days and then she just said, I'm sorry, mommy, for giving you my call. And I'm like, girl, it's okay. If you ain't give it to me, somebody else is going to give it to me. So it don't even matter. I try to be super careful about what I do 
and where I go because I know my immune system is low and I know what I can tolerate and what I can't tolerate. And COVID is not my friend. I'm healthy. The steroids are getting out my system, so I'm losing weight because all my complications came from my steroids and from me having multiple surgeries that I do qualify to have a little plastic surgery procedure to to get me all six packed up. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to be real six. I'm going to be high girl summer 2022. Oh, wow. Nah, 2022 is going to be a positive year, I feel like. Oh, yeah. It's definitely like that's going to be the start of a new beginning. Yes. And I'm coming through 2022 with all guns blazing because like 2020 and 2021 they kick rocks i'm already ready for 2022 because 21 and 20 was sucked but no but thank you for coming on and sharing your story no problem i don't mind if it helps somebody and inspires somebody i'm with it all i'm all the way with it Yes, and let this just be a kind reminder to take care of yourself, and we wish our great health, wealth, and blessings for the remainder of this year, for the new year to come. I'm Alon, that's Nicole, a whole move. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter.